This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Thank you for joining us. We've been away for some time, and we're glad to be back in the saddle right now. We've got a great show ahead of us, and we're looking forward to 2022 and having some great discussions and some great shows about various interesting topics that impact all of us on the federal scene, on the state and local scene, and everywhere else. Today, we thought it might be fitting to start off the show and talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. As we just recently had the holiday in terms of the day of service that we usually have every third Monday in January, where we have time to kind of celebrate the life, uh, the service of Dr. King, uh, what he put his life on the line for, and then also his principles that we are still trying to achieve today. I've got some great guests today. There's a program that is being trying to uh, be built in terms of the school system by Dr. Matt Daniels, who's the founder of Good of All. But there's a program they're trying to implement with Dr. Matt Daniels, Mr. Anthony Jones, who's also working on the curriculum dynamic, and also with Dr. Vernon Howard. They're working on trying to get a curriculum into the various schools that deal with teaching Dr. Martin Luther King's principles about nonviolence, about service, about actually being a person who believed in certain rights and everything else. And they're trying to institutionalize this in various school systems. So I want to introduce each one of them. And, and I'm going to start off with Dr. Daniels. And Dr. Daniels, I'm going to let you introduce your crew right here about who they are, their titles, this, that, and the other. But I want to thank each and every one of you for being on the show. And Dr. Daniels, tell a little bit about Good of All and also the program as you inter- introduce Anthony Jones and Dr. Howard, please. Sure, Derek. Uh, Good of All is dedicated to promoting uh, fundamental human rights through education. And uh, we have contributed to the curricula that McGraw-Hill is now featuring for uh, students in high school and in sixth grade that offer Dr. King's principles to a new generation. Um, My co-author, Anthony Jones, uh, who is joining us today, is the Director of Enrollment at Bethune-Cookman University, an HBCU in Daytona Beach, Florida. And we're also joined by Dr. Vern Howard, uh, the Chairman of the Martin Luther King Colorado Holiday Commission and the organizer of the nation's largest MLK uh, parade. So, Anthony, talk to, and and we may call, and just for the guests to know, we may call Anthony AJ. I think that's the nickname that he's finally known by many people. So if we don't mind, Anthony, we may call you AJ throughout the show, if that's okay with you. Talk to us about this curriculum. Talk to us about what it is. Talk to us about um, what you kind of go through. And also talk to us about the need of it right now. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you uh, this afternoon. And I'm excited every time I get an opportunity to talk about this fantastic dynamic curriculum. I, I have the privilege of having seen it in its infancy. And I also have the privilege of having seen the effect. And, and that's really uh, how I'd answer your question is really the, the effect. You know, this curriculum was designed to speak to a part of us as individuals that is our best selves. It highlights those areas of our lives, things like perseverance, 
things like justice, things like our ability to serve and respect another, those are the things that are the best of us in our qualities. And this curriculum is designed to use Dr. King's background, use his life, use his theology, use his philosophy in order to bring that together for our young people who are in positions, circumstances, situations where they've got to draw this out of themselves and apply it to their world as well as the larger world. And let me just stop right there by just talking about the larger world in the sense of statesmanship. If none of us on this line are ignorant of the fact that we live in a time now where in this generation we have seen the diminution of civility and respect in our institutions at an all-time high. Stalwart institutions that were meant to uphold our society are being questioned because of the lack of integrity and because of the divisiveness and divisiveness that's happening within them. The real frightening thing about that is that the young people that are coming up behind us, they are going to inherit this. And if they don't have a sense within themselves of civility, if they don't have a sense within themselves of what is statesmanship and how critical it is to us moving things forward, then we really could be doomed as a society. This curriculum is designed to call those tenets out that create a sense of compassion, empathy, understanding, and cooperation that will be critical for our future leaders. And Dr. King was the embodiment of all of that. This man laid down his life effectively to say these principles matter and these principles can have an effect. So as you can tell, I'm passionate about this. I'm excited to join Dr. Daniels, who really is the mastermind behind all of this. Uh, and so thankful to our guests here from Colorado, uh, Brother Vernon, and the, the wonderful work that they're doing there. And uh, so believe that this is a right time for this particular curriculum. Well, definitely your passion comes out for sure, and it's definitely needed right now. Hey, Dr. Daniels, talk to us about, I know you had Andrew Young speak about the curriculum in terms of uh, uh, him. And Andrew Young, the former United States ambassador to the UN, a uh, former representative from Georgia, uh, a civil rights icon in his own right who uh, marched with the, uh, uh, the greats that we know about. Talk to him about what he has spoken about, about the curriculum that you guys are trying to implement right now. And also, too, just curious, for, for the sake of kind of conversation right now, what made you think about getting this curriculum together and then bringing this team together, AJ, Dr. Howard, and others, to begin working on putting this into school systems? Well, it started with me realizing that uh, this country was going to be in serious trouble if we didn't draw upon the repository of wisdom that we have been given in the work and life of Dr. King and others like Ambassador Young. Um, we're very fortunate as a country to have had uh, these great leaders uh, who sacrificed so much, in, in the case of Dr. King, who gave his life to pass on to our country uh, the principles that offer the best hope for us to have uh, a society of um, of justice and of peace for all, uh, whose humanity 
uh, binds us together, right? Um, we have a roadmap for a better future, but we won't get to the destination if we don't teach the roadmap to the next generation. So that was the beginning of this uh, effort. I am uh, fortunate that I have had the opportunity of spending time with Ambassador Young, getting to know Ambassador Young. He has endorsed our curricula. Uh, I interviewed him extensively, and the interviews are featured in the curricula. And um, I think in Andrew Young and Dr. King, uh, we can find everything that we need for our young people to channel their passion for justice into action that will be productive and actually lead to a better future for all of us. But they have to be educated in order for that to happen. It doesn't happen automatically. You know, societies are easy to tear down and hard to build up. And so some of the events that we've seen in the last few years is a wake-up call for all of us that we need to teach these principles to the next generation. You know, Dr. Howard, you've been doing a program in Colorado um, in a march that focuses in on Dr. King and everything else for 37 years. Um, we're starting to lose some of our our leaders, uh, you know, who uh, John Lewis, Good Trouble, uh, Elijah Cummings, and others who are now starting to pass on. You know, you've been doing this work for many years. Talk to us about this curriculum and the importance of it for you um, in terms of the work you have been doing in Colorado and elsewhere. Well, first of all, thank you for having us. And let me say this to you. When we think about the curriculum, I have had the pleasure of interviewing legislators, high school students, educators alike, and everyone who has seen this curriculum and read it, and even those who haven't said it is high time that we have a curriculum which is taught uh, that teaches Dr. King nonviolent movement. Now, think about this for a moment. On June 23rd of 1966 in Detroit, Michigan, Dr. King said, if a man hasn't discovered something worth dying for, he isn't fit to live. And yet, Dr. King received an average of 50 death threats a day, and yet refused to turn to violence. On January the 30th of 1956, when Dr. King's home was bombed and this angry mob came to his house looking to exact justice, Dr. King said, no, we'll get justice through peace. In Dr. King's very first book, Strives Toward Freedom, he had written in there, if we do this peacefully, then historians would have to write that there lived a people, a majestic people, that instilled a new level of consciousness into a nation. Well, in interviewing these young people and interviewing all the different folks that we have about the curriculum, everybody said it's past time for something like this to take place. The thing is, Dr. King also said that if you take an element of any society and they feel that they're not part of that society, they will then destroy that society. And that's exactly what we have been seeing with Black Lives Matter and some of the, you know, we can date all the way back to the Rodney King beatings. We can bring it all the way up to the Elijah McClain in Aurora, Colorado, George Floyd murders. We can take a look and watch how this country erupted, blew up, and 
wasn't getting things done productively through the violence. And when we look at Dr. King and the movement that Dr. King led, everything they did, they did it with peace. They did it. Now, now understand that in February of 1968, when Dr. King first went to Memphis, that march broke out in a riot. And Dr. King stepped back and he said, no, 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 we're not doing it that way. We will do it peacefully. So Dr. King went back to Atlanta and he sent forth, you know, Andrew Young and a few others to organize the march that they were going to have in April of 1968. And it was then when Dr. King returned to Memphis and they were preparing for their peaceful march, that Dr. King was sacrificed. Mrs. King, Mrs. Coretta Scott King, two days later, led that very march for the sanitation workers, along with Andrew Young, in a very peaceful, peaceful social justice protest. Those are the principles that the young people, the new generation, need to learn. And even the young people are saying that, that they realize that there is truly more power in peace, love, and camaraderie than there is in violence, burning down things, so forth, so on, et cetera. What we've been doing in Colorado is we, uh, you know, two years ago, we grabbed hold of this. And we really, really didn't ignite the fire and the passion that we should have. And this year, we have literally taken the bull by the horns, and we have legislators, federal, state, and local, lined up, educators, uh, school districts, lined up, ready to adopt this. This is very, very powerful. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how do we begin to implement this powerful curriculum? How do we get it into the various schools? What levels do we get it in? Do we start from elementary and then go up to higher education? Where do we begin to put this into? I want to begin understanding the process of begin how we can roll out this amazing curriculum that's very much needed today. We're talking about Dr. King's principles, talking about a curriculum about teaching nonviolence in the school systems, teaching nonviolence in, in, in the dynamics of having everyone understand these kind of principles and implement them in our society in order to make our society better and avoid breaking down our society. We've got a number of different people on the show, uh, Dr. Matt Daniels, Anthony Jones, Dr. Vern Howard. They're all part of a program to try to get this curriculum into the schools right now, along with McGraw-Hill Education. We'll be right back after this break. We're going to keep this conversation going. You listen to Derek T. Dorch on Fed Access on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we've been having a good conversation about Dr. Martin Luther King. We're talking about a framework in which a curriculum has been developed that which is being trying to be institutionalized in various schools. Uh, Dr. Matt Daniels from the founder, who's a good, a good of all, uh, Dr. Vern Howard, who's the chairman of the MLK Colorado Holiday Commission, and Anthony Jones, who's a co-author of the MLK curriculum, and also the Vice President of Enrollment Management at Bethune-Cookman University at HBCU. They are all on the line today talking about this program and implementing today. Hey, Anthony, uh, talk to us about the framework in terms of how are we going to 
take this program that you kind of mentioned about justice, about MLK's background, his life, his philosophy, about statesmanship, about civility? How do we begin to get this program into various schools? And what levels do we start at? Do we start at the elementary and then work on up? Do we work you know, from the higher education on down? How are we going to begin doing this? Well, that's what's so exciting about the curriculum is its flexibility. Uh, when, as we've been talking with legislators, uh, education officials in state government, to superintendents, uh, teachers, principals across the country, uh, one of the things that's really resonating with them is the curriculum's ability to be applied in, uh, as an add-on to uh, courses like history or African-American history, to civics, uh, as well as a standalone course to be implemented. Much of the curriculum meets standards that are set in various school districts across the country, and people are excited about that. We have information in the curriculum that applies to students that are as young as the sixth grade, as well as high school students beginning in the ninth grade all the way through 12th grade. Teachers, principals, people who are on the front line in education need options. And that is also a key element to this in that it is a tool that people can use to enhance the classroom experience because one of the amazing features about this curriculum is that it has a digital component. We, I love the way that Dr. Daniels phrases this. We are trying to create digital ambassadors of change. And so these are young people that are going to be looking through the pages of this curriculum and seeing how these ideas apply in the lives of people around the globe. We have examples of others besides Dr. King who have used these principles to lift their community, and then they are able to look at this through a digital lens. Uh, so technology gets involved in the curriculum, in the process of learning, in the pedagogy that is happening in the classroom. And that what's powerful about that is, is that through that digital medium, those students can then take these ideas, their reaction to these ideas, and get them out into society as fast as possible because that's what those doors allow them to be able to do. So it is really malleable. It's very flexible in its delivery. And again, that's what educators seem to most appreciate about the curriculum. You know, Dr. Daniels, I know you're a big fan about digital social media, about the power of technology. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about what Anthony just told us about the digital components of this program and how would that be implemented? Would that be a framework of you're going to have a heavy presence online? You're going to be using social media dynamics. What is going to be the implementation of the digital side of this? Well, one of the challenges we had to confront, Derek, is that for many young people who've grown up after the creation of the Internet, the era of black and white television seems like ancient history. And we need them to realize that the principles that Dr. King sacrificed his life to pass on to our country are timeless and transcendent, and we need them as much today as we needed them in the 1960s. The day before he was martyred, Dr. King uh, spoke about the parable of the Good Samaritan as an illustration of mercy and compassion being extended across boundaries of race and culture. He often used the parable of the Good Samaritan in his speeches. And we came up with the term Digital Samaritan to describe someone who uses the historically unprecedented power of 
digital media, which was not available in Dr. King's day, to reach out across boundaries of race and culture and geography to help other human beings achieve their fundamental rights. Um, we offer the young people examples of digital Samaritans from around the world, uh, from every continent, including uh, young people their own age. And we encourage them to dream on paper about how they might harness the power of digital media to be ambassadors for these principles in our world today. One example from the course, which I am especially fond of, we um, ask young people to read and watch the I Have a Dream speech, and then we ask them to recreate it for their friends on a social media platform like TikTok so that they can use the media of their generation to communicate the principles to their friends. It's a powerful combination because these young people, they live, they eat, they breathe digital media. And when you uh, show them how they can use uh, this technology that is second nature to them to be change agents uh, and ambassadors for um, these timeless and transcendent truths, you unleash something of great power and potential for our society. That's very, very powerful. Hey, Dr. Howard, you know, you are uh, a person who's still on the ground. You're still doing marches. You still are working with the Ministerial Alliance in Colorado. Um, talk to us about the framework in which, you know, uh, you see things from a perspective of that on the ground dynamic of still, you know, getting people involved um, in the churches, um, doing those kind of things right there. Um, what do you see as it relates to the implementation of this in the school system, but also what are you hearing from the ministerial alliances and the people on the ground about this curriculum? Are they excited about that from that perspective? Yes, sir, they are. As a matter of fact, I have a tour of several different churches that I'll be uh, conducting to bring this into the churches as well. I have an 18-year-old granddaughter who was actually dusting our library, and she saw this roll of books up in the library, and on them said encyclopedia and she said what is an encyclopedia and i tried to explain to her what it was and then i said it was our google she went y'all didn't have google <laughs> so when you so when you we all remember the world book remember the world book uh, encyclopedia the lady would come by and sell it to your family <laughs> yes sir yes sir and and in fact we even had a set of black encyclopedias. Right. You know, so we got the true story. With that said, however, uh, yes, sir, the churches are eating it up uh, like you wouldn't believe. I have four or five ministers and pastors, including the current president of the Greater Metropolitan Denver Ministerial Alliance, as well as the outgoing president of the Greater Metropolitan Ministerial Alliance, the president of the Aurora Community of Faith, the Denver and Aurora branch of the NAACP. This is something that they have embraced like you wouldn't believe. And one of the things that you had asked Brother AJ, or Dr. Jones, if I may, was about the age level. This is how I've couched this with a lot of our administrators. How does a child learn their behavior? By watching their parents. So when a child learns road rage, it's because they watch their parents doing road rage things. 
uttering profane syllables when someone cuts them off or something. Well, that's the same thing with this particular curriculum. Let's teach it while they're young, while their minds are still sponges. And yes, let's do it digitally. So this way, this is their platform. You know, for them to pick up a book anymore, you know, it, it, it's not as as common as it is their Chromebook that they're picking up. And with that said, all of our partners, with everything that we do and how we continue to do it, they, they're eating this up like, I'm telling you, this here is the greatest thing since the Internet. And here's the beauty of it. It transcends cultures. It transcends economics. It transcends race. It's for everybody who wants to honestly have their voice heard and amplified without using violent measures. When we think about what happened with George Floyd in Colorado, let's say this, the state house was vandalized to the tune of almost $10 million. And yet and still, of course, we know that that wasn't uh, Black Lives Matter and people who were really screaming it was instigators who did it because we have it on tape and we know who these people were. With that said, just think about this. When you think of the success that Dr. King had, think about it. With the march on Selma for Voting Rights Act and how he turned it around from a violent escapade to a peaceful one, and in return we were able to get voting rights and civil rights power. That shows you that, and, 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 and Brother Jones and them actually have this in the curriculum, you know, the numbers, the analytics that are there that shows that peaceful protests yields and harvest better results. Mm -hmm. Very, very powerful. I'm going to have to take a quick break, gentlemen. We're going to come right back and keep this conversation going. I want to kind of touch upon, because you're all mentioning a couple kind of key things right now. We've got a couple key issues, right? Voting rights on the table. We've got a Supreme Court justice situation on the table right now. All of them still seem to me still tied back to Dr. King in some form of fashion uh, uh, going forward. I want to kind of talk about how these current issues and how this curriculum really ties into maybe uh, having some impact on some of these current issues that we're dealing with today. We're talking about Dr. King. We're talking about his principles. We're talking about a curriculum that has been developed and getting this curriculum into our school systems, into our churches, into our society to teach nonviolence and to teach about the principles of service and also the principles of, of civility, statesmanship, and all the other kind of pieces of justice that Dr. King was an advocate for and gave his life for. We're talking about how this is going to get done. We're hoping to see it happen soon, but we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we have been having a good conversation about Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, we just had a moment in which we had his day of service, and we are talking about his principles, talking about a curriculum that has been developed by Dr. Matt Daniels, by Anthony Jones, uh, by Dr. Vernon Howard, all of them working together to build a curriculum in terms of teaching his background, his philosophy, his statesmanship, his civility, his nonviolent principles about peaceful marches, about how to use those tools in order to get societal change 
for the better, for all people. We're talking about how this is going on today and then having a great conversation about how this can be institutionalized in our education system, whether it be the young people or the older people in college. How do we get this out right now? Hey, Anthony, I want to kind of talk to you about the framework in terms of, you know, you've been at the HBCU, you've been working at HBCUs. When I first met you, you were at Howard University working. I'm pretty sure you probably have some other experiences. Now you're at Bethune, Cookman University, another historically black college and university. Um, what is the HBCU role in terms of getting this out? We know that Dr. King was a Morehouse man, another HBCU. I'm an HBCU grad. I'm a Tuskegee man. And so I think that the HBCUs, not to say they have to have the majority role, but they definitely should have a framework in which this curriculum should be taught and then put into effect in those programs. Talk to us about that real quick. Well, you know, uh, HBCUs have always been a hotbed for social change. Uh, We can look across our uh, Black diaspora and see many examples of individuals who have come through our schools, our HBCUs, and have made an impact on the world society, an impact for good. That is birthed out of this value system that is very akin to that of the African-American community itself, a value system that is communal, one that says that we look out for the other, that we uh, lift as we climb. And so HBCUs have largely been founded on that idea, although some of them have not, were not necessarily founded by people of color, yet who they enrolled, those individuals who uh, came from communities where this value system was what it is. And it still resonates today. Many of our HBCUs have passed the 100 mark, and yet still today, that sense of social commitment is one that resonates on our campus. Why? Because that's still very much a value system in the African-American community, and I would dare say the communities of color. That's not to say that this doesn't resonate with non-African-Americans or those who have not happened not to be persons of color, but I want you to think about the fact that at an HBCU, over 50%, over 60%, over 70% of one's population can be from the African-American community. They're going to bring that value set with them. So with that said, you take that and you mix it with the mind of a person in there as they're coming into uh, their own as an adult. And at that point in one's maturation process, uh, you are exploring ideas and challenging norms and calling into question established institutions uh, as you're trying to reconcile yourself with the world that you're living in. So that forms the book edges, if you will, or the bookends of a young person on an HBCU campus that's going to want to get involved, that they're going to want to see change. They're going to want to have their fists raised in the air for whatever they think is the injustice that's happening around there. As administrators at, at HBCUs, we have the responsibility for doing the, for setting the context for which our students understand what's happening in the larger world. And at the same time, as we set that context, we have an equal responsibility of ensuring that the principles on which that context is described are principles that are upright, that are beneficial, uh, that are inclusive, uh, that are principles that are going to help uh, build a better world and not tear that, that world down. And I dare say that our schools 
have had leadership over its histories that have done that very, very well, who have been activists themselves, like the very woman who founded the institution where I currently serve, Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune. She herself was one of those who did just that. Without question. I truly believe that HBCUs have been the bedrock of this country in terms of uh, what it has done, uh, the, the framework of, of, of many of the schools, like you just mentioned about uh, Bethune-Cookman and others, have just been a very, very powerful contributor to this society. Dr. Daniels, um, kind of jumping off of that, um, putting this curriculum into other schools, into schools that are uh, predominantly uh, a non-HBCU, predominantly white, your other uh, uh, state schools, your other uh, maybe Ivy League schools, um, do you think this will take hold amongst those schools, that they'll be just as excited about the dynamic of learning about Dr. King principles and implementing them into the curriculum from there? Yeah, I think young people are wonderfully passionate for justice. That's one of the reasons I love to teach is because I love their passion for justice. And it's our job to equip them with the uh, principles and the methods that can translate that justice, uh, that passion for justice into meaningful uh, reality in our world. You know, all the studies show that in the decades since his martyrdom, Dr. King's methods have been proven right. Uh, nonviolence is unique in its power to achieve enduring positive change because it has the power to persuade. Uh, that's why we have to hand the torch of Dr. King's nonviolent principles to the next generation. And on the subject of HBCUs, I just want to mention it's important for your audience to know uh, McGraw-Hill Education, the publishers of our curricula, have very generously uh, offered to uh, seed the funding of an HBCU scholarship program, which we are naming after Ambassador Andrew Young. Uh, so students who take the high school version of our course can apply to receive a scholarship which can be used at an HBCU of their choice. Um, the vision behind this is to create what we call an educational ecosystem where we're not just teaching these young people the ideas that they need to be uh, positive change agents, but we're also helping some of them to become, hopefully, future Dr. Kings. Well, let me ask this question, Dr. Daniels. You, you've got a couple moving pieces um, in terms of this right here. When do we expect that this program will be, because, I mean, this is exciting to, to hear about this going forward. When do you think you and Anthony Jones will have this program in various school systems? What's your timeline? Um, you know, when can we expect that maybe these exciting things will start to get into the minds of our young people going forward? Well, we've already done pilots in a number of schools, public and private, um, but the real push will be this coming fall. Uh, that's when you're going to see uh, large numbers of school districts embracing the curricula. And um, the following fall, we hope to uh, inaugurate the scholarship program as we uh, will have the first uh, crop of students coming out of the high school version of the course. So um, this fall, it all begins, and hopefully uh, we'll continue for the rest of our lives because we all know that the forces of division and violence are um, trying to tear this country down, and we need to administer the educational antidote. Let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about the last couple issues. We'll have a short segment, and then we'll go from there. This is the Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. We're talking about Dr. King's principles 
and putting a curriculum in place in our higher education system and hopefully at some point in time around the world. But we'll be right back uh, with this kind of going forward. Welcome back to Fed Access on the Federal News Network with Derek T. Dorch. If you just joined us, we're talking about a number of different things today. We're talking about Dr. King, Dr. King's principles, putting a curriculum in place in the school system about teaching nonviolence. We're talking about this with a great panel right now. We've got Anthony Jones on the line. He's the VP of Enrollment Management at Bethune-Cookman University. He's also the co-author of the MLK curriculum that's being done by McGraw-Hill. We've got Dr. Matt Daniels, who came up with the curriculum. He's the founder of Good of All. We also got Dr. Vern Howard. He's the chairman of the MLK Colorado Holiday Commission in Colorado right there. We've talking to these gentlemen about this curriculum that is going to be put in place this upcoming fall and then push forward from there. I want to get you guys kind of last thoughts. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Daniels, that we're in some troubled times right now. Um, as you guys think about it, and each one of you, I just want to get your thoughts. As you think about how we implement this in troubled times where you have people who are uh, possibly trying to maybe even have maybe resistance to this curriculum going to their school systems, how do we deal with this very, very positive curriculum going forward in a very, very divisive time? And I'll kick off with you, Anthony. What's your thoughts on that? Thank you, Derek. We appreciate that, that question. Uh, I think that the bifurcation uh, between uh, this curriculum and what is being debated right now in school systems, uh, curriculums like uh, 1766 or CRT, uh, is that this is not necessarily a historical curriculum. This is not a curriculum that is about the, uh, the history of Dr. King in the sense of when he was born and what happened during the course of his life and all of the historical points in between. No, this is really about principles, about ideas, uh, the, the, the ideas that will resonate across racial lines, across lines of class, uh, across ethnic lines, across religious lines. Uh, and, and so I believe that fair-minded parents let me just speak to them for just a moment, who want their child to graduate from high school with a sense of civility and empathy for their fellow man as much as they want that child to be prepared with 21st century skills, they're going to be interested in this curriculum. And I think if they take an objective view and step back and read it, uh, read the high points of it, uh, I think that they'll be in favor of it. And in fact, that's what we've been finding out. Uh, people who have taken the time to examine it uh, in red states, in blue states, these individuals are agreeing together, this is different. And, uh, and that's why we're seeing the traction that we, uh, that we have across the country. Thank you, AJ. Dr. Howard, what's your thoughts on this? I totally agree uh, with Dr. Jones on that. This curriculum is not something that divides people. It is built on the principles of Dr. King, which united people. And uh, red, blue, left, right, independent, everyone, uh, you know, is in agreement of this, especially after seeing two of the most horrifying things in our generation with the George Floyd murder and the insurrection on January the 6th. These are the type of things that 
are needed to show people that there is a peaceful way to get the results that they're searching without question dr daniels take us out of here in terms of your thoughts and also just chime in is can this uh, uh a curriculum possibly go internationally at some point in time yeah i appreciate you asking that derek you know dr king's life and work uh and the work of figures like ambassador young uh, we're rooted in transcendent principles, what we call universal principles that apply everywhere. And so there's a strong international thread, as you know, that runs through uh, the work of Dr. King. He actually learned his nonviolent uh, strategies from Mahatma Gandhi, um, who used them against the oppression that uh, his people faced in India. Um, as a result, it's not surprising that we've encountered a lot of interests uh, internationally in our curriculum. Dr. King is world famous because the world is still amazed that America was able to overcome 400 years of slavery and segregation in the South with relatively little violence because Dr. King and Ambassador Young and other brave men and women showed America a better path. That is the path that we need to follow again now. And I've already been approached actually by a Pan-African NGO that wants to teach our curricula in several African countries because they're worried about the racial, ethnic, and tribal divisions that continue to cause violence and civil unrest in many African countries. And they feel that our uh, use of Dr. King's transcendent universal principles is the best remedy for the problems that their nation faces as well. This is very, very powerful. I'm very, very excited about what you gentlemen are doing. I um, wanna thank you for what you're doing. I think this is a very, very powerful uh, curriculum that you're putting into place. Um, as it please goes out, please let us know what's going on. Let us know how we can also help uh, get this out, get the word out here. Hopefully our federal leaders will also embrace what you are doing and help push it forward. But I want to thank each and every one for all your service and thank you for being on the show today. With that, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Fed Access. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.